Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Lance Wickton. I'm the Communications Director here at Real Life Ministries. And once again, I'm with my good friend, Jim Putman, lead pastor at Real Life Ministries. Uh, Jim, uh, Jude, even though it's not a very long book, almost sounds like he contradicts himself. He says, contend for the faith that was once given to us once and for all by all the saints, but yet he makes three references uh, outside of the Bible in, in this one book. Uh, why does he do that, and why does he reference something that isn't in the Bible? Yeah, so what you're talking about is where he talks about Enoch mm-hmm. had prophesied, and he talks about um, the Assumption of Moses, which was uh, kind of an older document that talks about uh, the angels uh, with the devil arguing over the body of Moses. And he uses those as illustrations. Um, to make the point that these false teachers are um, speaking out of line, mm-hmm. not consistent with God's word, and are in danger. That's what Enoch prophesizes, that God's going to come and there's going to be judgment on these guys. And so one of the things I would say, and I think this is an important point for believers, is um, yes, he's quoting from books that are not in Scripture. We're never a part of the Old Testament aren't a part of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. He's he's quoting books that were written, his, uh, historical books that were written earlier. So I think this is an important thing for Christians to discern. Just because he quotes them doesn't mean they should have been in Scripture, and it doesn't even necessarily mean that they were true stories. Mm-hmm. He's... Um, uh, it'd be like me saying, hey, just like in the story of the three pigs, um, you know, they, if you don't build your house out of the right material, the wolf will come and blow it down. If I were to say that, I'm not affirming that that, that story is true. It's just a known story, and I'm using it as a kind of an illustration that makes my point. Because you know, I know the story, therefore you're, you're locking in on a frame of reference that you can use as a platform to communicate something else. Right. Secondly, here's what it does show, that, that Jude actually has read some of the ancient books. I mm-hmm. think the book of Enoch is a good book. Is it scripture? No. No. It, um, if, if it was scripture, it would have been accepted. The Lord would have directed that through the process of putting it in the canon, uh, or the list of books that mm-hmm. are, were accepted in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Um, but that doesn't mean just because it's uh, not Scripture, there's no validity to it. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of stories that we know are true, but they aren't in Scripture. You know, I, I know uh, some of the history of Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I know that Abraham Lincoln said some things that are absolutely true. I, one of my, my favorite books... Uh, about scripture is um, Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God. Mm -hmm. There are things that he says in there, though they are not scripture, they are historically and uh, spiritually consistent. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with reading outside material, but you discern the truth of it 
from Scripture. So you look at everything through the Scripture's eyes. If, if somebody says something, you don't go, you don't look at the, it, you know, they supposedly come up with some new um, scientific evidence that mm-hmm. supposedly you're born homosexual, let's say. Mm-hmm. And, and then all of a sudden you go, well, I can't accept Scripture anymore because science trumps everything. Mm-hmm. No, if it contradicts Scripture, I already know it's flawed. Mm-hmm. You know, God's word is truth. God does. It's God's word is not a science book, but if it says something, it's true. Mm-hmm. And I will use it through the, the glasses by which I will look at everything else. Now, does that mean that I reject all science? No. I just test it by what God's word says. And you know, by the way, um, what when people claim that. Science never did prove that. Mm-hmm. There were so-called scholars who, who um, uh, looked at all that and did all that. And, you know, on, on the uh, hypothalamus test, the guys who did the test to come up with the first sort of proof that you were born gay, mm-hmm. first of all, they were gay, mm-hmm. which means that they come at this with potentially a bias. Mm-hmm. Secondly, they chose only men, the men that they tested on the size of the hypothalamus in the brain, were men who had died of AIDS, mm-hmm. which begs the question, or, or leads to the question of, did the AIDS do something to their hypothalamus? Mm-hmm. Or had some of their behaviors changed their hypothalamus? Mm-hmm. The brain, neuroplasticity tells us that you actually make decisions that shape your brain, much like you make decisions that shape the, the size of your muscles. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so when you look at this stuff, people just jump on the bandwagon. And, and go, well, science, no, you test everything by the Word of God. And and if it contradicts the Word of God, then I already, I already know it's flawed. I may not know how yet, but I trust the Word of God. Well, let me, let me stop you there because, the you know, we live in 2023 right mm-hmm. now. Um, we have access to more information than we've ever had before. And I mean, by access, we are passive in that, and information is coming at us. We're not even, it isn't like the old days where, uh, you know, you'd have to look something up in an encyclopedia or something. You would actively have to go look for information. Information's being thrown at us. Right. Now, and all that information, um, you know, some has to do with God, some doesn't, but... uh, but you're you're saying that you read something and you know that's true. I think um, I know what you're saying, but I don't. I want to make sure that we understand what this means, and that is, it's the 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 knowledge that you know that that is true when you're reading something that's not the Bible, is because you already know what it says in the Bible. It's not just a feeling. You're not just you're you're not just going. That feels right to me, or it sounds right to me, or it sounds right. Yeah, there's a foundation mm-hmm. that um, you set. I, I love this passage in uh, Hebrews chapter five. He's writing to the believers. He says, "We have much to say about this." And he's been talking about uh, they're arguing with each other and they're falling into sin and all that. He says, he says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who have by constant use 
have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Mm -hmm. We have hidden his word in our heart that we might not sin against God. The, the Bible tells us that this faith has been entrusted to, to us once and for all. Uh, Galatians says, if we are an angel from heaven should come teaching a different gospel than the one we have preached, then let them be accursed. Well, that assumes that you actually know the gospel that was once preached, mm -hmm. that you actually know what God's word said in the beginning so that you could discern any deviation. And when you look at, at our culture right now, 68% of Americans claim to be Christians, but only 4% have a biblical worldview, mm -hmm. which means that they get sucked into the far-right national sort of, of uh, this is a Christian nation and we're going to turn it into the new Jerusalem again, or you get sucked into the left, which is, you know, we... We, don't, uh, we can do what we want, uh, just follow your own heart. You can't actually know the truth, so you, the only thing you're left with is to distinguish the truth for yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and what we're saying is, when you get saved, you're discipled. Mm -hmm. the, deci the, the people who share the message disciple you, and the people who, who accept the message know that they're called into a family to grow up in their spiritual uh, life so that they become mature, uh, so that they understand what it means in Scripture, what was actually taught from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we, nowadays we have a bunch of people. I, I, last week I preached on, uh, in part, the women's rules. Mm -hmm. And I got an email, which was really uh, amusing to me. Okay. Because it actually made my point. Oh. Um, her point was uh, that, you know, the patriarchy, you know, the Bible um, says things and people have misunderstood it. And that's just crazy what I was saying. And there are tons of scholars who agree that women should be in ministry and that the New Testament uh, taught that women could have the same roles. And it, this was amusing to me. When she listed off the scholars, mm -hmm. they were all modern day scholars. Mm -hmm. who had come up with a different way of reading the scriptures than it was read 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. Her point was, there are all kinds of scholars with all kinds of degrees who disagree. I accept that's true. Mm -hmm. Which is really what Jude's saying all those years ago. Yeah. When, on any subject, proper interpretation of scripture is first to go, the Bible is the word of God. There, there are people who are willing to say the Bible is the word of God. Mm -hmm. Inerrant and infallible. We just don't understand it correctly. And then they, 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 don't, they don't accept what the early church actually taught about it and what they see in Scripture. There's a reason why until, you know, 1930 mm -hmm. uh, or 1903 or, or in the 1830s that they come, come out with new versions of who should be a pastor or teacher and they start including women, there's a reason why it took till 1830 for them to come up with a new way to, re to interpret Scripture. Mm -hmm. and, and so she's making my point. I agree, you're using modern-day scholars that differ from what was taught in the first church mm -hmm. and what was done in the beginning. And you can actually go back, and, and even though I disagree with the Catholic version of um, apostolic um, sort of, or, or uh, you know, kind of a, there are big words for it, but there's a line of, of leaders of churches of the popes mm -hmm. uh, that start all the way back in the first century. And it's true that 
that leadership was male, and you can go back and you can track who is the bishop, the leader of a church here and there. Mm-hmm. They're actually making the point that all those guys were popes. Well, no, they didn't actually become that. That title wasn't actually mm-hmm. used till after Constantine. But it's true. You can go back in history and know the bishop of Smyrna, mm-hmm. right? You can know Polycarp was was the leader. You can know these Ignatius and Clement, and you can know who the leaders were and how it was practiced. And so you can go back and read those things. Yes, Jesus affirmed that women had value and were a part of the body of Christ, and they got to do things in the church in specific roles. Mm -hmm. But the leader role of pastor, teacher, elder was held uh, by males. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there are modern-day scholars that are very famous that come up and say something different. I could care less. Mm -hmm. There's always been different people that said different things. If we're going to understand the Bible correctly, we have to understand what it said and how it was interpreted by the first church. Mm -hmm. On on that topic, so uh, we brought up uh, the book of Enoch. Now, Enoch is in the Bible. The the character is. Uh, But he's not in the Bible, and He's not his any of his writings. Any of his not. writings, yeah. The yeah. character, the person is in the Bible mm-hmm. referenced, but not his writings. Okay. Uh, so the question is: Is the things that are in the Bible, uh, we believe they're God breathed. We believe that uh, they're infallible the way that they are right there. And then the other things that, that are they could they could have some good things, just like you said in it. Uh, but if they don't match up with the Bible, we we don't use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the filter. Uh, I think we. I think I need more on that. I think I need to know uh, how do we know uh, that God, even though Jesus would say something in the red letters, now we have Paul, and uh, we're not sure who discipled Paul. We're not, you know, there's, but that's not listed, uh, or that's not in the Bible. But now Paul's writing, uh, but we view those writings is equal because of God. Can you explain a little bit more of that? Versus Enoch. Yeah, so so here's here's the way, if you think about Enoch in the Old Testament, um, here's what we believe. We believe that, um, that God mm-hmm. did speak through prophets and that there were rules for discerning who was a prophet and who was not. Mm-hmm. We believe that that the guys that are in the Old Testament either did something miraculous to support their claim and that there were witnesses. You think about Moses, all right? Moses wrote the Pentateuch, Mm -hmm. told the story in the Old Testament. The question would be, well, why did the Jews believe that what he wrote was holy? Well, because Moses did miraculous things. God did miracles through Mm -hmm. Moses to affirm that. So, you you know, you think about... um, no one was there when Moses saw the burning bush. Mm-hmm. True. But people were there when he went before Pharaoh and he did miraculous things mm-hmm. by the power of God in front of Pharaoh. God told Moses to do something, like step out into the water with your staff. What mm-hmm. happened? The sea, o- the sea opened up. Mm-hmm. God uh, asked Moses to come up on a hill, and then he speaks, and everybody's freaked out and mm-hmm. says, no, you go and talk to him. Right, the, the affirming miracles prove that what Moses was saying was authentic. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go along the story, 
there are different prophets that spoke in different times, but there were rules for a prophet. And what you'll find is that um, usually there were, like, for instance, um, uh, Isaiah. He gives a long-term prophecy about the coming Messiah that didn't happen in the lifetime of Isaiah. In fact, it didn't happen for 700 years. But why did they accept it in the Old Testament scriptures? If, if, if he wrote something or he said something that didn't come true and they didn't know it was going to, well, there was always a sign, mm-hmm. right? There was a shorter-term prophecy that was given that would be fulfilled in his time, which affirmed that what he was going to say long-term was true. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the Old Testament scriptures that were chosen there, uh, they weren't changed. They were, they were affirmed by... by uh, either some sort of miracle or some sort of prophecy that was fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And then you fast forward and you go, well, how do you know you have the right books? Well, what you know is like uh, Jesus comes along, who mm-hmm. is the son of the living God, right? Mm-hmm. And he affirms almost every major story in the Old Testament, including mm-hmm. like what Moses wrote about Noah and, um, and we assume Moses knew about Noah, though he didn't live there, because God told him, mm-hmm. and he wrote it down, and there were miracles. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus actually affirms the story of Noah mm-hmm. that, 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 that Moses wrote about. Jesus, the Son of God, affirmed things like Jonah. Mm-hmm. He, he affirmed um, the Old Testament scriptures. And in fact, when the devil tempted him, he said, it is written. Mm-hmm. He quoted Deuteronomy written by Moses. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus affirmed the Old Testament scriptures, that, that the old scripture that, that that the scriptures must be fulfilled, mm-hmm. Jesus said. That 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 nothing is going to be taken away from them until everything is is completed in those. And Jesus went on to say, My words will never disappear. Heaven and earth will disappear, mm-hmm. but my words will never disappear. Jesus told the disciples in, in uh, John 14 that I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And he's going to teach you all things and remind you of everything that I said to you. So when, when people say, you know, well, okay, how do you remember what happened, uh, you know, 30 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever? Well, big events we typically do remember as human beings, and sometimes we miss stuff. But Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit was going to keep their memory pure, mm-hmm. that he was going to protect them. Now, why do I believe Jesus had the ability to know what happened in the past and what would happen in the future? He rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. So it was always affirmed by miraculous signs. Well, to your point, too, when Jesus would make a statement, uh, the, the Jews, the Pharisees that were there would ask for a sign. So they were only doing what was customary. Of course, he, Jesus a lot of times would say, oh, I'll, the sign, I'll give you a sign, the sign of Jonah, which I, I didn't seem like it made, it made him very happy. But I could see why they asked that, because that was, that was tradition. Well, what is he doing there? He's affirming Jonah, right? Yeah. But he's not saying he won't give him a sign. See, the problem is, you know, when you go to the story where, where Jesus um, feeds the 5,000, right? Mm-hmm. And then he gets in the boat, or actually they leave, then he walks across on water and he gets to the other side. And, and they're saying, hey, uh, yeah, you fed the 5,000, but we want you to be like Moses and give us manna. Mm-hmm. 
And Jesus said, oh, you know, it's a wicked generation always looks for a sign. He doesn't mean he won't give you a sign. He had just done it. Yeah. A sign is to prove that he's the son of God, right? Versus they want a miracle every day. They don't have to work anymore. They just wanted food. They went, no, right. I'm doing these miracles to prove that what I say is true. If you go to Hebrews chapter 2, he talks about, uh, the writer there says that the, the, the message was first announced by the Lord, then it was confirmed by the apostles, and he says then it, that was confirmed by miraculous signs. Mm-hmm. Miraculous signs confirmed what the apostles wrote and what they said. And so the reason we believed for 2,000 years that the writings were protected and special, and they came from either an apostle or one affirmed by the apostles, is because Jesus promised that he was going to, he even said, go into the world and make disciples, baptizing and teaching them to obey all that I have taught you. That Jesus was giving them the words, giving them the power of the Holy Spirit in a miraculous way. Mm -hmm. We believe that the apostles were the foundation of the church with Christ as the cornerstone, right? And that those writings were special. And those signs were given to say those words mm-hmm. were special. So when somebody says, well, I've been inspired by the Holy Spirit, well, what do you mean by that? You read the Word of God, or do you mean that you were inspired like the New Testament writers were? No, no. That's why, you know, Jude says, we, we go, we, their faith was delivered, entrusted to the saints once and for all. Through mm-hmm. who? Through the apostles. And so when you know the apostles, if you go to 1 John 4, it says, test the spirits to see where they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And then he goes on to say there's two tests. Mm-hmm. Number one, he says they must say that Jesus came in the flesh. He's, he's dealing with these Gnostics who, who, by the way, the Gnostics actually were the ones who elevated women into pastors and teachers roles in the first century, mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that was one of the, the, if you go back and study the Gnostics, that's one of the things they did. Just like the scholars in the email. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go back to that, uh, he says, number one, you have to say that Jesus came in the flesh. And number two, they have to agree with the apostles' teaching. Mm-hmm. So how do you know that a so-called prophet, prophecy uh, uh, person speaks from God by the word of God? The Word of God tells me, it's like uh, your, the ID card. If you contradict the Word of God, mm-hmm. then you cannot be from God. The Spirit of God does not contradict the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so the, the problem is, most people are, you know, how do they test whether something's true or not? Most people believe it. Mm-hmm. Or, I had an experience. Mm-hmm. Well, the Bible says that the devil can do give you an experience. He absolutely can. You know, in fact, the Mormons tell you, you don't need to test whether it's true or not. Just pray about whether it's true. And if you get a burning in the bosom, then mm-hmm. you'll know it's true. What does he say? Don't test it by the word of God. Test it by an experience or a feeling you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, test it by, does it make sense to you? The Bible says that that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our t- thoughts. That mm-hmm. that our thoughts are broken and and you know we're not trusting our own understanding anymore, but in all our ways acknowledge him. Mm-hmm. And so God's word is what um, holds us together. Now, when people say, well, okay, I believe Jesus, the red letters, but I don't b- believe what Paul or Peter the other guy say. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you do realize that Mark was actually written by Mark for Peter. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't actually write those things. We have those writings by the apostles who were there. So you're saying you only believe the red letters. Well, the red letters were written by the apostles. Mm -hmm. The same ones who, you know, the same apostle for Mark, uh, Peter, that wrote First and Second Peter, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you do know that Jesus said to the apostles that I'd like to tell you more, but you can't handle it right now. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will teach you and remind you. Jesus's idea was not that they would just write his story, but that they would expound and explain the scriptures and even teach more than he did. Mm -hmm. All right. And so when you get to the apostles themselves, they actually believe their words came from God. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, I'm glad you see these words as they truly are, not the word of men, but the word of God. Mm -hmm. Here's what Peter writes about Paul. He says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote with you, wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking them, uh, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, listen, as they do the other scriptures mm -hmm. to their own destruction. Mm -hmm. Okay, when you distort or move away from the scriptures or go beyond what is written, there's destruction in store. I mean, if you read the book of Jude, knowing the word and holding to the word is pretty important. The whole thing mm -hmm. is about hold to the faith. And anybody who goes beyond that, mm -hmm. they're going to pay a heavy price. Mm -hmm. Destruction. Yeah, it, it is certainly a warning. And, you know, you uh, used to use the analogy of a bank teller that handles cash all the time. Yeah, I stole that. That was a great one, though. Oh, it wasn't mine. Well, I, know. I, I, now I don't even know, know what true is anymore. Okay. Uh, yeah. but, but, oh, okay, I'll steal it from you then. Uh, since a bank teller is actually uh, dealing, handling cash all the time, uh, pretty soon they get so used to it, they know what the feel is, they know everything about it without even having to think about it. And when some uh, a counterfeit gets in there, they can actually pull it out and go, like, oh, this that doesn't, doesn't, that feel, doesn't right. feel right. And uh, the same goes for, that's why it's so important to go back to abiding and be in your word because then that that is your true north, not your feelings, not what somebody else wrote in the last 10 years. Not in the internet. Not in the internet. You know, and that, that's that's what really bugs me. Here's here's one thing that happens. One of the things that we have to teach is proper interpretation of school of, of, of scripture rules. There mm -hmm. are actually rules. One of them is um, you have to understand what the original language said. Uh, and what it meant. Because over time, people change the definitions of words. The devil loves that. I use this example all the time, love. Mm -hmm. The word for love, there's, there are four words for love in the Greek, depending on which one it is. But the word for love that we've talked most about is agapao or agape. It's an act of the will mm -hmm. to lay down your life for the other, to meet the needs of the other, right? Versus eros, which is sexual uh, desire, Storge is kind of a family sort of love. But, but love, you need to understand what that word means in the Greek at the time it was written. Mm -hmm. And even in the Greek, as time went on, they would make addendums to the word. So you got to go back. What did it mean at that time in that place? 
um, you've got to you've got to understand the synthesis principle, which means scripture interprets scripture. You don't just um, pick a verse out of its context and and go, well, the Holy Spirit's telling me it means this. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Um, most of us have read in Jeremiah, I, I, you know, I know the plans I have for you. Uh, you know, the plans to give you hope in the future, right? Uh, in the context of that, though, he's actually saying to these guys, I'm not going to get you out of where you are. You're going to mm-hmm. be there for 70 years in Babylon. Move in, pray for the good of the, fa- the people there, get jobs, marry your children off to other believers. We take that to mean somehow we're not going to have a bad thing. You know, it's not going to stay. No, he's saying to them, I got big plans, eternal plans for you that some will never see because you're Mm going to be stuck in Babylon for 70 years. Mm -hmm. But make the best. Walk with me where you are. We take it out of context without understanding uh, what was going on, who it was written to, what was it about. and, And we don't understand that some people will say, if you ask anything in my name, it will be done for you. But the Bible mm-hmm. also says in another place, in First John, if you ask anything according to his will, it mm-hmm. will be done for you. If you just pick a verse out and claim it and make it your own and say the Holy Spirit told you that, uh, that's so dangerous. No, you need to know the word and what it means. Then you ask the Holy Spirit to help you apply it in your life. And, 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 and what do I do with this, Lord? And, and, and how do, not, here's what you meant... Here's what it says. Here's the historical principle. Here's how it was actually lived out at that time. Here's what was going on at that time in that place and the, so that we know what was really happening and, and what this is speaking to. And as you start to build these tools, now you go, I don't just claim a verse. Mm-hmm. You know, boop, and here's what I want to claim that for. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard the one, I can do all things through Christ who oh, gives boy, me strength. Yeah. And athletes put it on their thing going, I'm going to win because I can do it with Jesus. No. Paul's saying, I know what it is to have nothing, and I know what it is to have plenty. I like, I'm sure he would say, I like plenty. Amen. But I can handle anything with Christ's help. Mm -hmm. I can handle it, good or bad. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Whether win or lose, I'm going to be fine. Okay? With God's help. Mm -hmm. We take that, and we slap things down, and somebody told us this, and we saw that there. Part of what we have to do is dive into the Word of God, understand what it means, it's a light into our path, and then properly apply it to our lives. Because otherwise, if we don't have the right foundation, we said God said it, and then when it doesn't turn out, then we think that God's not telling the truth. And the actuality is we didn't, we didn't fully understand what he was saying. Yeah. That's and dangerous. It, it, people will take passages and preach passages that are completely out of its context to lead you to specific places. I, I think about... One of them is, you know, what you sow, you reap. And, you know, if you give uh, seed money, then God's going to make you rich. Mm. No. You know, or you're going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. That's always funny to me when you realize the guys who wrote the New Testament were butchered mm-hmm. for their testimony. They weren't wealthy. They lost everything. So it, it means for everybody else something good, but not for them. What about the Christians in Pakistan right now? Mm-hmm. Um, God is about contentment. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. God's like, um, I'm going to give you contentment with whatever you have, and it's going to be enough because I'm with you. Mm -hmm. He's not against giving us more, but to use scriptures, even tithing, right? Tithing we do because God says so and because we love what God has done for us, and 
and we're thankful and we need to remind her that his thing's first and we're part of a bigger mission. But tithing doesn't guarantee my business will never go down. Right. Right? Because, you know, we live in a world that's broken. And, you know, will God take care of you? Yes. But how he will, sometimes we would often disagree with. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he's going to help me through another believer. Speaking of taking care of, I do have a bonus question for you. So, Enoch. Uh, Enoch is an interesting character in the Bible. Uh, I believe he is the oldest, uh, at the time of his death, he was the oldest human, 900 and some years old. But he has a conversation with God, and God takes him away. So here's my question. What did he say to God? Well, I, I can't answer that question. I know, I know, but it, I'm asking for speculation. Even though you just did this whole podcast about... Uh, about, See, and here's the thing. I don't like to speculate because I don't know. And there's enough that I do know that I need to do that I don't really have time to speculate on stuff that if he wanted me to know, he would have told me. That's true, but I'd sure like to know what that phrase was or whatever he said. Because you're just wanting him to take you away? That's exactly right. Well, he is going to take you away. He is, I know. Either either you're going to be raptured, um, you're going to be caught up with the Lord when he returns in the air, or the moment you shut your eyes on planet Earth, you're opening them, and you're going to be completely healed one way or another because you're a Christ follower. But I, I don't know. He did do specific things in specific circumstances that he didn't do more than once. That's true. And, um, you know, I don't know. I think that he lived so long, I think he just said, how long do I have to keep doing this? And that was, that's what he said. Well, and you know, maybe at another time, there's all kinds of these questions that people ask. How can you trust the Bible when it says somebody lived 900 and something odd years? Right? Well, there's answers, oh, yeah, potential there, answers yeah. to that, right? And uh, um, it, it, once you believe in a miraculous God, all kinds of things are possible. Now, that doesn't make everything a miracle. Well, to some extent it does. I mean, this earth shouldn't be there. Why is there something rather than nothing? Where The organizational structure, Colossians says that God created, it was through Christ that all things were created, and he holds all things together. Well, some things he holds to, sometimes he holds things together longer than he does others. Mm-hmm. There's all mm-hmm. kinds of answers to the question. You know, back then... Uh, it was a perfect world, and there was a transition from a perfect world to a corrupted world, and it took time. Diseases and, and all kinds of things happened, and, and he had a pure genetic code in the beginning, and, and, and so your, your wife was, uh, you know, there was two there, and, and, you know, the purity of their genetic code meant that they lived longer, mm-hmm. and you, you, there's all kinds of potential answers for that, none of which I know for sure. I just know the Bible says what it says, and so... Again, I'm going to affirm and hold to what it believe, what it says because of who I know that wrote it mm-hmm. and what they gave up for it. And Jesus the Christ affirmed it. And when I followed his word, it has changed my life. And when I have done my own thing and reasoned with my own understanding, it has made me a mess. Mm-hmm. So I just decided, you know what, I believe it. And uh, I'm going to trust him rather than my own thinking. And there have been enough people who have lied to us, deceived, got it wrong, and then mm-hmm. had to come back later and say, oh, we were wrong. Most of these people, that you, you put your foundation on science when it changes every other day. And what they thought was true wasn't. Mm-hmm. And what wasn't is, listen, the Bible is, a, is the foundation given to us by God. 
with Jesus as the cornerstone, and I'm, I'm sticking with Jesus' words. For the man who hears his word and puts it into practice is a wise man who mm-hmm. builds his house on the rock. And for the man who hears his words and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man. Which is why Jude gave us his, this book, this letter, and this warning. Thanks a lot, Jim. Thank you.